Hi, everyone. Welcome to a bonus session of, <clears throat> I don't know what you'd call it, not rules for retrogrades, but a, a school session with me, Tim Gordon, your, uh, one of your two usual hosts on rules for retrogrades. Occasionally, I come to you one-on-one, -on -one, just me and the screen, rapping with y'all because of personal events, extenuating circumstances as a kind of uh, uh, apologia for <clears throat> missed shows or whatever. Consider that um, part of what I'm doing here today because we didn't release the rules for retrogrades yesterday on Wednesday. There will be an episode coming out tomorrow with Matt Frad, and that should be a good one. We talk about lots of stuff. It's a kind of reunion of sorts. And guess what? We also talk about the Pope. On that note, there's another half of the component of my motivation for doing this here today. And that is because we've talked about the Pope, uh, Frad, Dave, myself, and none of us have what you may be used to in a talk YouTube type show, a uniformity of opinion. I just wanted to clarify for, for people out there what I think is arguably the most literally the most important moment of the Francis pontificate in terms of communications. Remember on TNT a while ago, Taylor Marshall and I discussed Francis as a kind of Peronist, at least in the way that he uses a uh, communications office. I think there's that something happened on the 16th, Another interview between Italian journalist and, and co-founder of La Repubblica, Eugenio Scalfari. And it wasn't really covered here in the American faithful Catholic news cycle until Tuesday. That is two days ago. So, you know, the, the week of the 20th. And I think this is the key to everything. Everything you need to know about this pontificate. I haven't said this so far. There are lots of pieces, hundreds even, I think now three digits of evidence against the misinformation and disinformation campaigns that are being um, <laughs> waged on the Catholic faithful. But this more than any other singular piece of information is it. So I, I urge everyone to go to a Tuesday, Tuesday Life Site article called Pope Francis Favored Interviewer, Eugenio Scalfari, casts Cardinal Sarah as leading opposition campaign. This is how the article by our friend Diane Montegna starts out. Eugenio, Eugenio Scalfari's latest interview with Pope Francis, which came out at the height of the recent Benedict XVI Cardinal Sarah book controversy, was a loose reconstruction of the Italian journalist recollection of the meeting, the Vatican has said. In the January 16th interview, published in the left-leaning Italian daily La Repubblica, 95-year-old Scalfari, who is regarded as Francis's preferred interviewer, portrayed the book From the Depths of Our Hearts as an opposition campaign launched by Cardinal Robert Serra against the current pontificate. He also claimed that for Francis, once Benedict had shown solidarity with him by reportedly denying co-authorship of the book, quote, the issue with Ratzinger was closed. Now, uh, here's the 
article headline in La Repubblica. Papa Francesco, con Ratzinger il caso è chiuso. This means, with Ratzinger, the case is closed. After this alleged uh, repudiation that never happened, right? This, this simply never happened. So we're going to go through some of Scalfari's words as they relate to the Francis interview, as they relate to the book, as they relate to Ed Penton's reporting on whether or not uh, Cardinal Sarah is wrong here to report a fact. This is a new low, a Vatican communications disaster, a fact that Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI or what have you is still author, co-author of this book, at least in the English language translation. And, and they're trying, they're tripping over themselves to get around this fact. There are also a couple of vested premises in what his co-authorship and its fallout means. I just don't want this to go to waste, people. This is, like Rahm Emanuel said, one of the enemies, never let a catastrophe go to waste. This is, this is a Vatican uh, communications catastrophe that we ought not let to go to waste, and we ought to understand what it means. So let me start out by saying, I'll, I'll quote something Miss Montegna quotes in the article. It's this uh, line by Scalfari. As for me, aware of Sarah's attempt, I asked at the beginning of our meeting, his and Pope Francis's, what his inner reaction was to the existence of a group in opposition to his pontificate. And he was asking this about the book itself from the depths of our hearts. An opposition group to his pontificate. Now, a few preliminary thoughts. Some of this will be um, repetitive, but, but much of it I think will be, at least from my perspective, novel analysis. Talked about this um, on the show that, that Dave and I did not that long ago, about a week ago. In the interview that will be released with Matt Frad, we talked about just a few of the implications in, in a kind of glancing blow. And there's a spectrum of cynicism of this pontificate. Um, you know, I, I, I don't need to arrange it from Matt Frad to Dave Gordon to Tim Gordon. And I just wanted to make perfectly clear what I think the the real bright lines are and what the implications are. So uh, here, here we go. In opposition to the pontificate of Francis, somewhat obvious thought here. If if this is an opposition book, and it's almost wholly uh, about the celibacy of the priestly class, it's a, it's been called a standalone book on celibacy, not polemical at all then that tells us indeed what Francis's position will be in another couple weeks when he releases his post-synodal apostolic exhortation. Not that, not that I've, I'm holding my breath or anything anyway. I, I already feel relatively confident what it'll be. Um, okay, so that, that, that's one point. Secondly, Scalfari also said this. After Benedict XVI's show of solidarity with Francis, with Pope Francis, the issue was closed. Now, this is important because, one, he's, again, um, affirming our suspicions that it's a, by the removal of Pope Benedict XVI's name from, I guess, the French translation of this thing, 
he's admitting that it would be, I guess, a subject matter concession, a content-based uh, solidarity based on uh, a deference before Pope Francis's ostensible position on celibacy. What this means is the following, folks. Um, at least Scalfari, if not Francis, is saying, yes, Francis, and, and I mean, he sat down and talked to him. I haven't, you haven't. Yes, uh, Pope Benedict, by standing down in a strong posture for celibacy, that would be an act of sol uh, solidarity with you. There, that's, that's, that seems obvious, but it's reasonably subtle stuff. Here's why. Because reporters tend to forget that they, I mean, they're reporting the bright lines, but they tend to forget that they alone have access to these people, the interviewees, and he's admitting something that he probably doesn't mean to. The, the solidarity there, I mean, maybe he does, but the solidarity there is one of subject matter, according to his configuration of the events, which he says are Francis's configuration of the events. Diane Montagna, who I respect very much, she doesn't seem to believe Scalfari. I, I actually do. Uh, this is like the seventh or eighth interview now. Also in her article, go to it on Tuesday, she ar arranges a lot of the scandalous interviews in chronological order. Not all of them, but uh, enough so you can see, oh, wow, here was the alleged uh, claim of Scalfari. Here's what the Vatican press office did about it at the time or really didn't do it about it. And, um, you know, here's, here's the order in which it happened. The second question raised by this, this idea of Scalfari's that, quote, after Benedict's show of solidarity with Francis, the issue was closed. There's also this topic of what about, what about Ignatius Press, the United States Press uh, Office that, uh, I'm sorry, the United States publisher for the English translation of this book that refuses to back off, uh, refuses to take off Pope Benedict XVI's authorial title and name. I mean, this remember there would be a, some sort of legal proceeding here if if um, there was if this were a false ascription. So they're just not dealing with this question. The um, people in this Vatican that desperately want Pope Benedict's name off. Very strange. Okay, so that that. I mean, there are a couple real strong insinuations, um, in, or inferences rather, that ought to be taken away from this idea that, that, uh, that the removal of Benedict's authorial title would be an act of solidarity with Francis. There, it's almost like um, the purloined letter, the, the Edgar Allan Poe short story, where you, you, know, you hide hide a well, would-be hidden fact in plain sight, like on the mantle. The purloined letter lies on the mantle and the cops can't find it. I mean, it's, it's obvious enough. An act of solidarity would be something that affirms Francis. Ignatius Press, equally obvious, perhaps more obvious, Ignatius Press would get in trouble for refusing to take a false author's name off of the, the cover of the book, especially if as gorgeous George Gonswine keeps insisting, Benedict himself wants it off. That's, that's very strange. That's more than a little strange. So absorb all of that. 
take that in. It's important. Now, Miss Montegna, the author of this Tuesday LifeSite article, also raises, I think, a secondary issue that that threatens to subsume the whole, become the primary issue. A parallel press office is the subtitle of uh, this subsection that I think is maybe the most important thing that, that we need to know as the faithful in terms of what's happening. The content of the conversation, as described by the journalist Scalfari, is a loose reconstruction of what he recollects. This is the Vatican spokesman Matteo Bruni. Now, Bruni, uh, as always, he's, you know, whoever the, the Vatican spokesman is at the time, trots out there, says something like this, a non-repudiation, a non-denial. And, you know, we got this, I think, as early, uh, as far back as January the 16th. Why, why bring it up now? Well, LifeSite followed up with Bruni and said, why does Pope Francis continue to grant interviews to Scalfari um, whose interpretations consistently are equaling heresy? No reply. This is a simple, simple answer to a question if and only if there's a good answer to the simple question. In other words, uh, this would be a perfectly easy thing to give a reply to if there's some uh, purloined letter, obvious answer that all the rest of us are missing. And and the reason I bring this up is because, you know, it's it's easy to get into conversations with with faithful folks, and and I've I've had a number of these on our show the last couple of days, the last half a week. Um, they all they, who will consistently say this exact thing, right? We might not be able to think about it right now. Um, why Pope, Pope Francis consistently is giving these interview, uh, granting these requests to Eugenio Scalfari, and why each of the seven or eight interviews, depending on the way you cut them, slice them, are saying something horrible, that, or, or saying something revolutionarily horrible, rather. Saying something that, that changes either doctrine or discipline within the church in a way that a revolutionary requires of a parallel press office. A Peronist would use um, a press office in a in, in parallel with what they're actually saying. Remember, what what's actually being said the last week and a half is, hey, you know, Pope Francis would die in order to save priestly celibacy, but this doesn't mean that there aren't exceptions to the rule. What does that mean? That's ambiguous enough, amorphous enough. And then on the other side, the sort of um, upside down, you know, the, the, the twin parallel shadow situation uh, in terms of uh, press and communications, you have Eugenio Scalfari, who's an old atheist, uh, Marxist for La Repubblica co-founder. They used to hand me this rag on the uh, metro in Rome, and I used to tell them to get it out of my face. And he's 95 years old, looks to be in, in pretty good health. He runs the real uh, black ops for this Vatican because then he just says what, what all of the conservatives, particularly American conservatives in the church, people like myself, already know to be the case. 
because it's so obvious. He comes right out and says it. And then the third element is the non-denial, the claim like the content of this conversation is described by this journalist is a loose reconstruction of what he re recollects. Well, we know that. Uh, Eugenio Scalfari does not, as in he refuses to and always has, take notes. Therefore, he does not use a recorder. Uh, sorry, he takes loose notes. He refuses to take shorthand and he does not use a voice recorder. So yes, that's just like saying, um, well, you drank, uh, you drank, uh, you took a Pepsi challenge. One, one glass that you drank blindfolded was Pepsi, one was Coke. Which one's which? And you just say, well, one was Pepsi and one was Coke. That's not an answer to the question, right? It was a loose reconstruction of what he recollects. Yes, we know. He's, he's a, an age-old journalist. He's been doing this for generations. That could describe any one of his interviews. Nevertheless, um, the Italian press is a little softer on these things, and they still call that an interview. There, we have no reason not to call it an interview. Maybe there would be enough um, plausible deniability on Francis's part if there was one and only one of these like the law on um, epileptics driving behind the wheel of, a, of an automobile here. If, if you don't know you're an epileptic and you have one seizure, it's not reckless. But if you have any more than one, it's considered reckless because now you're on, you know, actual notice. So, yeah, this is a, um, this is the third piece of the equation. You have the ambiguity coming out of the actual communications apparatus of the Vatican. Then you have the dark side, Eugenio Scalfari giving these La Repubblica interviews where he says something horrible that all of us have always suspected was the position of Francis anyway, affirming it, but only in the minds of rigids, right? Not even all rigids. I mean, not in the mind of, uh, uh, my brother, not in the mind of Matt Fred. I'm not sure if Matt Fred, I don't think Matt Fred does count as a rigid in, in Francis's mind if he knew him. But um, maybe he, he likes the Latin Mass, so I take that back. It, it is ver very committed to the Latin Mass. But, but at least most rigids tend to see things more my way. Um, you know, yeah, Francis is probably going to change celibacy. We don't have to wait that long, only a couple more weeks into February, and we're going to get that post-apostolic exhortation, which will tell us what we need to know. I think this is, so I, I, I mean, and then Mantegna, in the rest of her article, she goes through and offers a, a really nice timeline from about January 14th to January 16th, what happened, um, itemized, in, in um, and in cron order, that, that's worth uh, that's worth having a look at. January the fourteenth. Let's go through it really quickly. Uh, sorry, starting as far back as January the twelfth. On Sunday evening, January twelfth, the French Daily Le Figaro announced the forthcoming book, From the Depths of Our Hearts. The announcement was met with a storm of criticism, as you can imagine, uh, questioning Benedict's right to express his views. Now again, people. Friends, well-wishers, Catholic faithful, the received view of the Roman Catholic Church for at least 1,200 years has been priestly celibacy in the Roman Rite. To write a book affirming priestly celibacy in the Roman Rite is, if you're going to use a critical adjective here, 
The critical adjective is not controversial. It's That's the last one you should call to mind. It might be boring. It might be uh, self-evident. It might be banal. But it is not controversial. So no, no, and no. And it's definitely not Cardinal Sarah manipulating the Pope. Now, Miss um, Menteg... Uh, Miss Mantegna jumps to, sorry, Miss Montagna uh, jumps to the 13th, which is a Monday. Editorial director of Vatican News, Andrea Tornielli, um, who is rec- only recently in that position, penned a neutral piece saying the book, including introduction and conclusion, does bear the signatures of Cardinal Sarah and B-16. He noticed, uh, he noted that the book was written in filial obedience to the Pope Francis, which it is, that's a direct quote, and quote, in a spirit of love for the unity of the church, which it also is, affirming her, her long-standing commitment to priestly celibacy. So, so Tornielli was being um, honest here more honest than other actors would soon be. Two reliable sources, Miss Montaigne uh, assures us, told the National Catholic Register that Tornielli phoned Benedict's private secretary, the Archbishop uh, George Gonswine, on the 13th and 14th to discuss the book. Well, these, these, how do you get, how do you squeeze two conversations out of this? Did you write it? Did he write it, rather? Yes. Does he want to take his name off? I guess, question mark. Either way, I don't know how you talk about that two days in a row. Now, on Tuesday morning, January the 14th, amid continued criticism, Cardinal Sarah issues an official statement saying that Benedict had seen the manuscript, intro, conclusion, and cover of the co-authored book. Uh, He adds, I sincerely forgive all those who slander me or who want to oppose, uh, who want to oppose me to Pope Francis. My attachment to Benedict the 16th remains intact and my filial obeisance obeisance to Pope Francis remains absolute. The polemic that is sought to smear me by insinuating Benedict XVI was not informed of the publication of the book uh, is deeply abject. Later that afternoon, January 14th, Gonswine tells Ansa, I can confirm that this morning I acted on instructions from Benedict XVI, the Pope Emeritus, and I asked Cardinal Robert Sarah to contact the book's publishers and request them to remove Benedict XVI's name as co-author of the book and remove his signature from the introduction and the uh, conclusions too. Now, uh, one one bit of evidence I forgot to add is this would be the uh, the falsely alleged co-author himself that could do this it's if if you add my name to your book on something stupid where i wouldn't want it if you put me on your good book then I'll, I'll take the credit and i'll take the royalties but you put me on a book that i say is confrontational you know that endorses something that i'm not ready to endorse and i can call him myself right this is uh this is not complex so gonswine saying he had to ask sarah to do this tells you the entire score right there um this could be something that uh, we don't know exactly how the contract, the author's contract is structured, but you don't need to involve uh, Cardinal Sarah to, to do this. And the further evidence of that is what we already said, that the English language translator, Ignatius Press here in America, in my neck of the woods, a little north in San Francisco, they said, no, we're not going to do it. 
they would not be within their legal right to spuriously uh, add Benedict XVI as author unless he were. Shortly thereafter, Cardinal Sarah tweets, quote, considering the polemics caused by the publication of the book from the depths of our hearts, it was decided that the book's author for future publications will be Cardinal Sarah with the contribution of Benedict XVI. However, the full text remains absolutely unchanged. Uh, cross RS, end quote. Later the same day, the Cardinal again tweeted his official statement saying this time, I confirm that I was able to speak this morning with Archbishop George Gonswine. This communique remains my one and only version of the course of events. I also had a conversation with the management of Fayard, the French publisher, to implement the specific requests of Gonswine. Later on the 14th, because they're um, eight or nine hours ahead of us, remember, Ignatius, the English language publisher of the new book, issued a statement saying they would stand by the co-authorship. I had heard a rumor that they had taken off Sarah's name as a kind of response to this, which would have been money, would have been dope, but I think uh, it remains uh, both names. On January the 16th now, Eugenio Scalfari meets with Pope Francis asking him about the controversy surrounding the new book, quote, after Benedict's show of solidarity with Pope Francis, the issue with Ratzinger was closed. El caso uh, acuso, according to Scofari. And no denial, this time even less of a denial than in other uh, instances where Francis interviewed with Scolfari. This was the least of a denial ever. They just said, this is a loose configuration of that conversation, which is pretty much what it's always been. Folks, listen to me. Hear me clearly. This is the moment where the chicanery, the cheap chicanery of uh, the communications apparatus there in the Vatican is most utterly exposed. I mean, there are a few moving pieces here and they prove everything that every, well, not every, that most of the papal skeptics have been harboring and theorizing about and, you know, extemporizing on for the last five years. I mean, literally you have this um, wrangling attempt, a, a kind of panicked wrangling attempt to pull Benedict's name off of this. You can't do it with some of the publishers. They probably structured the contract slightly differently, especially the American publisher. They said, no, that proves the whole case alone. Uh, you add to that all of the documentation, which corroborated what Sarah said. He tweeted it out. You add to that the unique role, and I think the most important role here is of the journalist Scalfari, who is saying without repudiation that the only way that Benedict could show solidarity would be to pull his name off a book defending priestly celibacy. That says everything we need to know. That that tells us. Um, I, I I don't know how I don't know how there's any doubt that that uh, what Pope Francis's position, elected position will be on on this when it comes out in a couple weeks in the post-synodal apostolic exhortation. I, I feel like I'm missing an angle here. I'd love to take like questions or something if this were live, but it's not because 
there's 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 a few moving pieces, but this is clearly uh, the most simultaneously cohesive, coherent bit of mini theories uh, being a being called bad names by moderates and leftists in the church. Right? They're saying, okay, you don't you don't believe you're not taking the pope at his word here. No. No, I don't. I mean, you can't take the Pope at his word that he would die for the celibacy uh, issue and uh, obtaining, defending the celibacy norm in the church, because he's also saying out the other side of his mouth that he is in favor of some exceptions. The exceptions are obviously what is being fought over. He's begging the question. He give he's given by my count his eighth interview with Scalfari. He gave it the day after. Uh, a day and a half after the original scandal created by really malicious lies being spread about Cardinal Sarah, one co-author, by the handlers of the other co-author who are, you know, all in league with this Vatican. So that's two. And then three, you have the, the fallout from... Um, I mean, the Ignatius Press version of the book, translation in English, won't come out until around the time that the Vatican Press Office will be releasing, or sorry, the Vatican will be promulgating Pope Francis's post-apostolic exhortation. That I, I'm not sure if that's intentional or not, but that will, that, il, il caso e chiuso, when um, Ignatius Press definitively releases the English language translation of this text with Benedict's name on it, whether solo or with, with Sarah's, that'll be the end of the issue. There is no coming back from that because no book publisher, let alone a highly competent uh, uh, American one, where we're extra litigious here and CYA is the abiding policy, None of them would uh, publish with a false author, a falsely ascribed author. I don't, so, so that's it. I mean, that's it. Uh, it what all of this means in sum is um, that, I, yeah, they're hiding it for a time, you know, what the real decision will be, kind of like what we saw with Amoris Laetitia. They're using misdirection they're using misinformation and disinformation uh, to help in the misdirection. And I'm not sure, what I'm, the one thing I'm not sure about is why uh, along a, a temporary little short span of weeks or maybe a few months, why it's been important to give the misdirection, the false cues, the jukes, um, leading up to Amoris Laetitia in April of 2016, which they did. They said, oh, you know, Cardinal Casper, the liberal uh, champion of basically Amoris Laetitia's position on communion for the divorce and civilly remarried, he's out of favor, they were saying in, in late 2015. Why, why do that? It's not affecting anyone's, uh, aside from the reportage, it might affect the reportage and a little bit of the way that the commentary uh, ripples out, but it's not affecting anything of essence. But I do see this being um, repeated strongly in this uh, Cardinal Sarah Benedict the Sixteenth 
Monsignor Gonswine issue. And now, of course, I, I felt the need to get on, talk with you guys once it became an issue involving uh, a fourth party, Eugenio Scalfari, because he is always as fishy as you get. And Pope Francis and this Vatican communications apparatus is always up to something when Scalfari is involved. So th th this is not nothing. There is no way, no chance that this is a nothing. Take my word for that. I don't know exactly how it's going to come out. I don't know exactly when the exhortation is going to come out, but this is not nothing. So if that's all you take away from this, then it's a win. And, uh, and this is worthy of, we have to resist. We have to resist in whatever ways we can, canonically, respectfully, filially. I just, I, I, you know, I'm thinking of, um, you know, everyone's at their own place with this, you know, in terms of acceptance. You, you see that when we, when we'll, uh, release the interview with Matt Frad tomorrow, you see it even when Dave and I are kind of batting it back and forth, but it's going to come out. Many people know it's going to come out the way we've predicted. And there's lots of evidence for that now. That's what the whole point of this video was. When it does come out, people need to hit the ground running. Expect it to be a reformation, a revolution, a re-envisionment of priestly celibacy. And then we need to, we need to uh, express ourselves and, and be getting a plan for, for what to do once that exhortation is promulgated. I, I, I have every confidence, which is to say I have no confidence in the obtaining of the timeless church teaching on this. So so that's it. Uh, people go read this article. It's from Tuesday, uh, this week's Life Site Tuesday. It's uh, Diane uh, Montagna, and it's a great piece. And she did a lot of great organizational work you know, chronologically. And she did a lot of good conceptual organization work. So it's uh, arranged for you right there. Two um, shadow press offices working in tandem. That That is... That is not a small thing, a parallel press office. And his name is Trouble, Eugenio Scalfari. Anyway, God bless you all. God bless all of us. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen here. I am the first to admit that, but we need to be ready. Okay, God bless and uh, enjoy tomorrow, Friday's Matt Frad interview. We talk about this some, and we're, we're, we're disagreeing like friends because that's what we all are. All right, God bless. <laughs>